When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We gotta start the show. Mm-hmm. Hey everyone's fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 196. We're recording on September 27th, 2020. And this episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. Please go to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50. We have an extremely big show this week. We have a lot of uh, announcements to go through. But uh, before I do that, let me usher in uh, my friend Heather. Heather, what's happening? Nothing. Hello. Happy Sunday. Yes, yes, it is. It's a little muggy today. It is very warm. warm for late, but yeah, lots of things to talk about today. No digging for content. Sometimes this time, well, not this time of year, but in the real time of year in the summer when this stuff would be happening, we'd be digging for stuff to kind of fill. But nope, there's plenty of rate, uh, trade and rumors out there and whatever, apparently. You just brought up something that I don't know. I'm still processing. I, I did. I did. And, and we'll, please, God, don't be Montreal. I can't. I can't. We'll talk um, about we'll talk about that um, as soon as later. Because my buddy Max Mainville of the BlackandGoldHockey.com shared some information from uh, a Spit and Chicklets account. But we'll talk about it later. But yeah. I do want to bring in our guest. 
Our guest today is the new, new writer for the blackandgoldhockey.com website, and he's been cranking out the articles lately. It's, it's been absolutely amazing. His name is Matt Barry. You can follow him on Twitter at OOBcards. That's right. That's and right. Uh, Matt, welcome to the program, my friend. Well, thanks, Mark and Heather. It's great to be here. Really, really excited about it. Love to talk Bruins, so really, really excited to be on the program. Awesome, awesome. We uh, um, might as well get right to it. Um, he is not only a special guest this week, but he's also going to be joining the, the podcast as our new lead uh, host. So I'm really excited about that. Matt's got an uh, extensive background in broadcasting, um, and uh, his resume just uh, spoke uh, spoke numbers to me. So um, and his audition tapes and, 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 uh, listening to him on several different podcasts lately. Um, I was really uh, impressed with, with, uh, what he does. So I was no brainer to put him at the top of the line, uh, list of applications. And, uh, and I, I think we picked a good one. So, um, I, I, I'm sure I speak for Heather, but welcome to the program, sir. And we look forward to working with you in the future. Well, great. I, I really appreciate you saying that. I, again, I, I love, I do have a broadcasting background. I guess my, my dad will be really thrilled that I'm finally using my degree money that we spent on uh, broadcasting and communications, but uh, really love speaking about the Bruins too. So I have sort of both my passions coming into play. So really happy to do it. Awesome. Awesome. Let's, let's um, talk about our show sponsor, betonline.ag, before we get into all these exciting Boston Bruins topics, but the uh, NHL Stanley Cup Finals, Major League Baseball, the NBA, golf, UFC, and so many more other sports are all going on, but the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still get in on the action at betonline.ag. Betonline.ag is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to teams, players, and coaching props, betonline.ag gives you more options to wager than any place online and have been a staple in the gambling industry for over 20 years. You can get in on all their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures today. Head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And please don't forget to use code CLNS50. That's CLNS50. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. So, we have a bunch of news, and we might as well just get right into it right now. Our friend at blackandgoldhockey.com, Max Mainville, shared a, a um, notification on our Slack channel and mentioned that RA from the Spit and Chicklets podcast uh, said that Tory Krug, Boston Bruins defenseman, his um, UFA rights will be traded tomorrow. So, Heather, what do you think about this as, as being a, a huge Tory Krug fan and, and somebody that's uh, really respected what he's done in Boston? Um, yeah, I'm still processing that. Please don't be Montreal. Please don't be Montreal. That's all. Please don't do it. I can't. Uh, but um, I think that means they're going after a really big fish. If they're already trading Tory Krug's rights, do you know, that's 
the first step. And I mean, they said something big is going to happen. And like we talked about last week, I'm just afraid a lot of times when we do something big, it never really pans out in our favor, you know, overall. But um, I had mentioned it a couple of weeks ago. I mean, if you're not going to sign Krug, right, he is a very shiny UFA. He might as well dangle him out there. I thought I was going to have 12 more days of him being a Bruin, but I just want him to land in a contender. I've heard a lot of like Colorado might be interested in him and stuff lately, which I'd rather him be there than Detroit. You know how I feel about even if it's his hometown, why would he want to go to like a wasteland for the last four years after being on a very competitive team? But I don't know. It's interesting. But if I already said it, then that means tomorrow Tori is going to be someone else's. But I don't know. What do you think, Matt? I would agree with you. I, I, I'm really interested to see which team it is. And I, I really, first of all, I, I don't know why a team would trade any type of asset for someone that they could just sign. But I, there must there must be a market out there where there's some competition and you want to sort of avoid that sort of competition when you're trying to, to sign him. So probably getting ahead of it, giving up an asset, whatever that is. I mean, it, whether it's draft capital or if it's someone off the roster, I do think that there's probably a bigger fish for them to get you know, maybe they're looking at Alex Pietrangelo. Maybe they're looking at trying to sign, you know, to uh, trade for Ekman Larson uh, or someone of the like. Maybe TJ Brody. You know, someone on left side defense that can be added to replace Krug. Um, if they do walk away from Krug, and I think they will, I think it's good to get something. You know, and I, I, so I'm sort of pleased in that regard if they get something. Um, I have. I am not. I'm sort of in agreement of having him walk because I don't think he's a top paired defenseman. And that sounds sort of silly because of everything he offers to the team, but I think his size and his age at 30 years old and giving him potentially six, seven years at 34, 35, 36 years old, I'm not sure what you'd get from Tory Krug other than a power play specialist. So I think you need a more well-rounded defenseman who can give you 25, 27 minutes on the left side of Charlie McAvoy, I'd rather pay for that than pay for Krug. So I'm in agreement on it, but I'm really interested to see which team it is. Could be Columbus, I think, could use someone like him. Um, like you said, Colorado, a contender, a team that he could really flourish with and play playoff hockey with. Um, I think he, he would like to play in Detroit, but I think that that prohibits him because they're not very good. I think it prohibits him from really going there. So it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I'm I'm on totally on the fence. I I see Tory as an asset on the club, and I also see him as an asset on the market. And if this happens to, if if they can't come to an agreement, which is totally and and his his market value is is warranted in my opinion. He's really worked hard for this this nest egg. He's done the one year deals. He's done this and that. Recently, uh, the there was a five year deal. So. You know, this is this is good like retirement money for a uh, a person with a young family and so on. So, um, uh, to to I, I, I didn't really want to see him walk for nothing, uh, because because he is a he is a value out in the market. So this is a really smart move to um to see what you can get back and and, and um, and it could be uh for a, a very high profile player, uh and, and but I hopefully it's not just for the negotiation rights. Uh, that's probably what it's end up going to be. Um, so, but it remains to be seen. But you know, it's it's um 
it, that's part of business. And Don Sweeney and and Cam Neely both came out in their press conferences at the end of the season and said, you know, we got to make moves to be a better team, and we have to address certain holes. And I totally agree with that. But if you can't come to terms with uh, an extension that's that's cap friendly, team friendly, that Don Sweeney's been trying to do in the past several years, then it's time to move on. And I totally get it. But that's just the business. I just want to say, though, before everyone goes on, it's like I said, I'd like to remind everyone, no one really knows what Krug is asking for. And he also has been on this team a long thing. And I think this is more along the lines of, I really do think Don Sweeney wanted to work out something, but you also have to respect Tory Krug for being 30. He's proven he's taken his small deal so everyone else could get their money in. It is what it is, but I've already been trying to come to terms with Tory's leaving, but I mean, this is the best case scenario for everyone because this way he probably had a say in what teams he could be, you know, I mean, I think he had a no trade, you know, list anyways, but probably not a super long one like some players do. So I think that's good for him too, to have some say where he's going rather than just being out there kind of in the shark bait free agency, people are throwing money at you, but you have gives him some time for him and his wife to decide, you know what I mean? have say in that so i think that's good before everyone's on the yeah because he's asking nine million we don't know he's asking nine million but we still even can't afford the 7.5 million really you know so that's just it my one more in defense of tory crew thank you for your service sir <laughs> all right so let's move on to the next topic what do we got on the agenda heather well, you know, it would be a week at the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast if you didn't get to talk about Tuca. And, of course, now we're going to trade Tuca rumors and whatever else starts up again. So um, I thought, you know, you're the godfather of the Tuca Rasco. I always say that because you have <laughs> loved him longer than he's even been really an official Bruin Bruin. You know what I mean? So what say you about the newest round of Rask, you know, the big abandoner of his teammates and friends? Like I said with the uh, the Tory Krug situation, it's it's it would be... Dumb to not field any offers on him or at least listen to them. If people are calling and they want his services, then you, you really have to think about what's, what's at hand. But you also have to think about what the player wants too. I'm not sure if the player wants to leave Boston in the first place. He's only got one more year. I wouldn't mind honestly seeing one more uh, run of, uh, of a Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak tandem. It, 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 I mean, top three in the league. And, you know, so that would be nice. Um, but if he's willing to be moved and the price is right and return is good, then, you know, I wouldn't mind fielding those offers. I, 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 I am a huge Rass fan. I always have been. I've been following him since his young days in Finland before Toronto drafted him. So I kind of think that he stays. But... It, like I said, if I was a GM and somebody was throwing an offer at me, I would certainly consider it. Well, I, I would too. And I think that Tuca, you know, I've been a big Tuca fan. I mean, Tuca has been elite goalie for a long time. I think he gets a raw deal in the city some because he's not, you know, I think his personality and sort of maybe it's a cultural thing where he has sort of a, you know, a personality that's sort of dry and, and sort of honest at times. And I think that his honesty has sort of come back to bite him some with Bruins fans. I don't, I don't know if they really sort of like that part of him, but he's been honest about the bubble was a different situation. I think that the majority of players would agree with him. I think it, it, it was just, it was honesty. And he also talked a little about retirement 
And that's something with one year left on his deal. I don't think he'd walk away from $7 million, but I think he's probably thought to himself, you know what? We might be in a bubble again to start next season. And what does that look like? Does he, can you opt out? Will he opt out again? And then what are you left with? And I thought it was really telling that they, the Bruins kicked the tires on Darcy Kemper with uh, the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, he makes a little under 5 million a year, 30 year old goalie, a very good goalie. But you wouldn't add, you know, four and a half million dollars for more goaltending when you have about 10 invested in goaltending already. So that there may be some forecasting there. And I know that Sweeney said that he had no reservations, period, zero, about Tuka Rask coming back. But I think he does a little. And I think that that was telling. So I don't know if they've reached out to teams to see if they'd like to take on Tuca and maybe convince him to play another two, three years and extend him. He may have. So I, right now I think that it would be, it would be proactive for the team to sort of at least look at that and see, because again, he is elite. I mean, he was a Vesna candidate second in the running. So he is an elite goaltender and there are many teams that could use him. So I, I think it's smart to at least see what's out there and have conversations with him to see if he would be open to that. Um, I don't know. It is hard because I do feel like the only thing Don Sweeney seemed firm upon his exit, you know, end of the season, this is how it is, was that Tuka is our goaltender. And Mark and I have talked about before, I – I don't think Tuca would go somewhere else and play three or four more years. I think Tuca Rask has, like you said, it's kind of like what the Bruins have to do. Of course, they have to feel that. That's $7 million more million that they could use. I mean, that's one thing with Tuca. He is a heavy contract even for a goaltender. I mean, you get what you pay for with him, absolutely. You know what I mean? Regardless of what people think. You know what I mean? He is worth his grain and salt, as they say, or weight and salt. But they – um. I feel like he's more likely to play one last year with Halak and Bergeron and, you know, call it a career than he is to want to. And he definitely can decide if he's being traded or not. Like he's, you know, as a smart person does kind of gets a more ironclad kind of con, you know, contract. Uh, but for me, just Tuka's personality is, yeah, he might opt out next year if there's bubbles and stuff. But I also think, his personality is, okay, you're going to trade me, fine, then I'll just retire anyway. You know what I mean? Or whatever, like buy it out and do whatever and be gone. I think he'd rather finish his career as a Bruin and be done with it. And, yeah, maybe get out of the hotbed of this city that's always just miserable to him most of the time. Not all fans, but a lot of fans. But I do think Tuka's personality is, well, Boston's closest to Finland. Like, you know, and like, whatever. That's I like it here. It gets cold. The snow, it reminds me more of home. I can go to mountains, whatever. So that's just my Tuka. All right. Do you guys want to talk about Petrangelo, though, What if we are going to go get a big fish? Well, one of the reasons why I brought up this um, this topic uh, was because of the, the his um, his demands became more known in a, uh, I believe it was an athletic article, or, or, or it, was, um, it was from uh, Rutherford, uh, the St. Louis Blues um, beat writer. Uh, and he mentioned in there that a lot of the... I know it was a couple million that they were off, and it was a final offer and so on. But what really got it for um, Petriangelo was the, his longevity of that contract. And they, you know, if things didn't work out, they, it would be harder for them to trade him 
as he got older. Now, Petriangelo is an older defenseman. Uh, I believe he's 30. So if he yeah. does get an extra extra year, and, and, and if you look at the stats, you can see that he's um, he is getting better offensively as he ages. I get that. But I think what is really scary to somebody like him that's asking for eight, nine million dollars is um, is you know what's going to happen with the cap in the future, um, and and if if your things aren't working out and we need to move you, I think the Blues really want that comfort of you can't have these these NTCs, uh, MNCs all over your contract later on when we're trying to make our team better and we can move you as an asset. So I think that was a real uncomfortable zone for him. I know he's uh, a St. Louis guy. He's been there his whole career. Uh, his wife's from there. So he has a lot of ties there, and I get why he would want to structure that into his contract. But I think I just wanted to say if, if he came to Boston, let's just take the St. Louis Blues out of the equation, okay? Now if he's a Bruin, this is the same thing. What If, if he's on a downslide... Uh, you know, to the end of his career, and Sweeney needs to move him. That contract protection is is really hard, and and for an organization that has not done well and no no movement clauses, in my opinion, I should certainly shouldn't need something like this. I would rather take these chances and odds on somebody younger. But I just wanted to bring that up. That um, it's not all about the the dollar value. Uh, Cap friendly and puttpedia.com. They really dive in deep on where uh, other air avenues of a contract come from and, and what could be held up and whatnot. And people really need to explore these, these avenues of, of, uh, of learning about contracts. So I just wanted to kind of just touch on that, just, you know. I would, I would tend to agree uh, because, I again, 30-year-old defenseman, I mean, he plays about 24 minutes, 25 minutes a game. Um, he has double digit goals the last four seasons. So he does add an offensive aspect to the fence position. Um, he's bigger than, than Krug and probably, uh, could handle some more wear and tear, but these six and seven year deals for guys who start to get into their mid thirties are, are always risky. And I would almost, to your point, look for a guy like maybe try to package a deal for Noah Hannafin, who I, I heard about that a couple of weeks ago that potentially Jake DeBrus could be dangled for with a package for Noah Hannafin, who's a BC guy, 23 years old, left shot D hasn't really reached his potential yet. And we're not quite sure what that is, but he's a former high pick that, that, um, you know, could be a pretty good player for them and coming back to the Boston area and, and pairing with Charlie McAvoy. So maybe something like that. So to your point of, investing your money in younger players. I, I think I might try that go for that route instead uh, than to get, cause these 30 year old defensemen scare me sometimes. And I just don't want to be three years in and trying to be get, getting out of this deal um, right after you invested all this money in them. And I think in a flat cap situation and in a really in a situation where the league is really up against it with the bubble situations, you, d- you just don't know what kind of money you're going to have to give. And you really don't want to create a disaster on your hands. So it's a really slippery slope. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If this just even goes back to the argument about Tory Krug, right? It's about term and being your age. And on one hand, yes, Petra Angel is going to, he's going <clears> to, <throat> 
check all your boxes. You want a bigger defenseman, right? You want one that can still move the puck though and be off, you know, events. Wow, great. He's a leader, obviously captain, you know, and so that kind of replaces Remember, I keep, I like, I don't know. I think you listen Matt. you know, before we've chatted, but like my thing with crew too, is like you, the leadership and all that, like you want to replace him hopefully with a younger, maybe that might even be grizzly that happens, but a younger person who's a little bigger, but still is that same kind of player, you know, like if you were in a bigger body. So for me, mm-hmm. I don't like term. I'm like, I don't want, I don't think anybody should have longer than a five-year contract. I learned that a long time ago with DPHRO. I just don't think you should ever sign anybody for longer than four or five years, He's especially if they are 30. He's still getting paid. <laughs> Still getting behind. Yeah. Years so ago. so crazy. so wait a minute. Rick DiPietro is the uh, Bobby Bonilla of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> very true. Yeah. Very true. No, it's here to interrupt you. Sorry, Heather. No, no, that's fine. But that's just my point. Like, yes, like in my heart of hearts, that'd be great if we could afford the nine million. But isn't the whole point we can't really afford that? You know what I mean? So that also I want to say though is contingent on we don't know. What are we getting for crew? Maybe we're getting rights or people that might share up some of those like mark always talks about uh you know you can find plenty of players that are two million dollar one and a half million dollar players to plug in and really make a difference so that if we can do that and cheaply not worry about you know going up sure i'd like to have kyle palmieri like that for me that we talked about that at the trade deadline if i'm gonna make a crazy move that's kind of the kind of one i want to make but if you get something for crew, that's enough. You might be able to afford instead of signing someone for that. If you can't dump more salary or something somewhere. Oh, what if they say, I'll give you Tory Krug's rights and John Moore guys. I just thought of that. No, I'm sorry. Okay. I'll go ahead. So, so we're all in on a no, unless he's willing to take like four years at 8 million. Cause you know, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally on that. You know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the defenseman like that join the team. Um, you know, obviously, it's gonna uh, it's gonna block the progress of of the Lausanne's, the Clifton's, and so on from actually getting more playing time. But in a win now situation, I think that that's the way you need to go. You need the veteran leadership. You need the guys that have been and the guy won a Stanley Cup recently. So that's just you know another thing that is on his resume that's very impressive. But it's just, it's the price tag for me. And you know how it's always about money with me about. You know, about the flat cap being around for two or three seasons, uh, you know, until the new TV deal comes in and until Seattle money is actually official and, and can be, you know, up on the, uh, the, the, the CBA revenue shares or whatever you want to call it, um, that, that I just don't see him being a member of this team. I think they're going to go for a little bit younger, a little bit cheaper uh, assets out there on the market or the trade, trade value market, whatever. And uh, and see what, how they can adjust it to making these uh, these certain moves, but it's not just on defense. It's it's got to be on the forward position. You got to score five on five goals. You cannot rely on winning games on the power play all the time. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, agreed. Uh, well, that being said, about low like pay, players that. Uh, don't get paid that much, you know, and uh, we've talked about it in our own system, people we have to think about, but there's a lot of rumors about maybe Edmonton wanting Anders Bjork or maybe talking to Edmonton uh, for, what's his name, Sazen? Sa- what's his name? I forgot. It's, um, so I, uh, Alex, Chase on. Chase yeah. On. Alex Chase, Chase on. Yeah, so, Chase on, I forgot. 
and this, this is another one that I wanted to talk about because um, if you look at Edmonton's uh, perspective right now, they are really pushing for Jesse Pugliarvi to come back to North America and, uh, and actually be a professional there. Uh, there was some turmoil that went on in this whole thing, and he uh, defected uh, back to his uh, native country. I'm not sure exactly which one it is. I think it's Finland. But uh, anyway, um, I guess he's going to be in the mix now, which now makes a forward available. And uh, Anders has a pretty cap-friendly number. Uh, I'm not sure about the cap space that Edmonton currently has right now, but uh, he's a young, young asset that is a project. The chase on thing for me is it, it's just a guy that uh, he's a power play specialist kind of, but then I look at his stats and it's not really, not really power play driven. You know what I'm saying? So uh, it seems like a guy that can go to the net. I haven't seen a ton of him, um, you know. But at, at first, I really thought that the Bruins were like trying to trade, um, or the, the Edmonton Oilers were asking for Bjork. Uh, and, and possibly uh, Pulley Ivy can come to the Bruins. That would be kind of sweet, but, you know, I, you know me and the, and the attitude players about, you know, self-entitlement and so on. Uh, Pulley Ivy seems to be that type of uh, player uh, in his uh, entry-level contract negotiations and blah, blah, blah. So, um, I don't know. Uh, what are your thoughts on the chase-on idea, um, Matt? Well, you know, I... I... Again, I think when you're deciding these sort of bottom six uh, roster spots, you really have to take into account are we really getting better? Like, and, and first of all, you have to sort of understand what your what your perception is of Andres Bjork's potential. I mean, is he potentially similar to an Alex Chason in in production? And Alex, you know, Alex had 11 goals last year. You know. To your point, six on the power play. Not, I mean, not anything that jumps off the page. I think we have enough guys who can put in eleven goals. So I think that's a that's something you have to sort of look at. Are we just taking on a little bit extra money? And like you said, Bjork's number right now, cap wise, is one point six for the next three seasons. He's only twenty three. If he starts continues to improve, that's a pretty good number in the next year or two. But he's also an asset, and if he's someone at the rest of the league sort of has an eye on as far as your young prospects, then sometimes you have to give something to get something. But I think you really have to do the test of, are we really getting better when we make this move? Jason is 6'4", 210. So that checks your, your size box off. Um, but Bjork has shown some ability to produce, especially on Coyle's line. So I don't know. I mean, you really have to look. If you can, I mean, then if you add like, like Heather was just saying, if you can add like John Moore's contract or something like that, I mean, if you're getting something in return so that you can get rid of something you really don't want, um, similar to the Kasha deal when they traded a first rounder just to get rid of Bacchus's contract, something like that might make more sense. But if it's just about a size of a player, you're getting a guy who's older um, and sign- I think significantly older, six or seven years older, mm. And Anders Bjork has shown some signs and, and still hasn't reached his potential. I'm not sure if Alex Chason's the guy I want in that in that in that trade. I think I'd want a little bit better. And if you had to add a piece with Bjork, fine. But I think you wanted want a little bit better of a move, in my opinion. I th- I was thinking the same thing. I know Mark Mark knows I hate. There's nothing more annoying to me than just trading 
one thing for the same exact thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. it's partly what makes me so bitter about Danton Heinen. Did we really get better as a team? Mm-hmm. I get some of that was sure. dumping back us and all that. But, like, as for filling that that role or whatever, you know, um, it being said, he, he has been very consistent in his career. Do you know what I mean? You know what you're going to get with him, you know, but I don't like him being that much older. I don't understand. And for me, Anders Bjorka, I, I don't love every young kid that comes by, but I do look when I see someone I think is going to someday develop into being, you know, could be on this team and play a role. I think Anders Bjork is still not quite ready to be decided or not. So if he isn't going to be here as a, he's one of the only solid prospects quote unquote or whatever that we've had that actually show the potential we thought they had when we drafted them or whatever. So if, we are going to get rid of him. I would really like more than just trading a player that he's probably going to be in two or three years anyways, even if it, you know what I mean? Because you're paying him more to be almost the same player. I don't know this like trading. We seem to be obsessed with 30 year old players. I don't know why it is. And in certain <laughs> positions that can work out, like, like you, we were saying before defensemen at 30 are different than a forward at 30. Do you know what I mean? A 30 at a 30 year old forward is definitely more on the back swing than the front swing where a defenseman comes in their sweet spot at 27 or whatever. But at the same time, I, I just money wise, it just, it seems silly unless we're getting more for that. You know what I mean? And I don't mean just getting rid of John Moore, who I do indeed like, but I need to dump his salary somewhere. Uh, speaking of John Moore, John Moore needs to be uh, played 40 games for him to be exposed in the um, uh, expansion draft. Just a heads up to the folks that just think that he can just be tossed out like garbage. Um, and that might weigh in on um, you know playing time elsewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're going to make a trade, you, know, you don't want to just get a guy that's not going to stick around. But if it's a leverage deal that you need to be moved... Uh, you have to consider uh, his uh, game is played to be considered uh, as an asset to move uh, elsewhere via the um, Seattle um, franchise coming in. So, well, I think that I think that raises a good point and maybe makes him a little bit more attractive because if you're a team who really is looking ahead to the following year and really about who's being exposed in the expansion draft, expansion draft, then maybe you bring John Moore in, play him as forty games, and then you expose him. So that might be. If you had the cap room and maybe you're trying to get to the cap floor or if you have plenty of space, then maybe you do make a move for him. Or maybe the Bruins look at it as, you know, can we get John Moore in now 40 games with some with some holes in our defense? Can we get him 40 games so we can expose him? So that creates a, an interesting little dynamic. And the expansion draft is definitely something that comes into play when you're talking about shaping your roster this year. Because you, and they've already said this, that, they know they're going to lose a good player in the expansion draft. Probably they lost Colin Miller back when Vegas came into the league. Um, they may lose someone like that. I mean, you could lose Grizzly. You could lose someone who's pretty good. So you really have to take that into account as well. So it makes it hard to just let guys go or make those trades. Like you say, yeah, it's easy to say, okay, let's dump John Moore's contract, but maybe he's a guy, if you play him 40 games, that you can expose in the expansion draft next year. So you have to forecast that as well. It throws a little wrench into it anyway. And Mark and I have talked about too, like John Moore is a perfectly serviceable defenseman if you have enough other defense to help. Because he, you know, he is a veteran. He does have that, and he isn't really that expensive. But as for being here, we need that money because we have things to do. Um, yeah. 
Uh, what else do we have here on the list? Oh, this is kind of, it's obviously interesting, but good to hear. David Backus, uh, the Ducks kind of told him he definitely would be in their lineup next year, which um, I think is good. We always talk about, we all respect David Backus. Even if it didn't work out here, we want well for him because he is just an awesome guy and a great hockey player over his career. So uh, what do you think about that, boys? David Backus, definitely probably his last year, but we'll see. The uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, it is somewhat Bruins related, being a former Bruin, um, is he's only 50 games away from 1,000 games in the NHL. Uh, I think that's um, very respectable by the Anaheim organization to see that and also use him as an asset. Um, he's a value in the room on the bench as a leader. He's been through the, uh, the trenches of, of what um, a hard-nosed NHL player uh, can be as a veteran. So um, kudos to him. Um, it, I'm, I'm probably assuming this probably will be his last year, like Heather said. But I, I just wanted to touch on, you know, it was it was, it was was tough to, you know, I, I'm going to go back and, and people uh, from the past episodes in the archive and so on will probably remember me hearing me say that, you know, when, when the deal happened, when, when Bacchus became a free agent on July 1, I'm not sure exactly what year, but... Um, he, it was first mentioned it was only for one year, and I was a little excited about that. It's a show-me deal, $6 million, whatever. We had the cap space. But then it, later on in that day, it turned into a five-year deal, which I was just, like, uh, completely outraged about. Um, and I, I, uh, many shake-my-head moments that, you know, I probably could have used uh, a chiropractor after that. But, um, you know, it, it, it just didn't work out. And But it, I give the guy a ton of credit for, for being a, a veteran of his age and continuing to want to uh, strive to be better and be a part of the league. And and if it's if he gets his, I hope he gets his 50 games for 1,000. But, I mean, this is a guy that's probably going to go into the Hall of Fame too. So, um, you know, it's just, I just wanted to mention it, it, is, it is a form of Bruin, so we, we do show love. We know it wasn't always, you know... Rainbows and unicorns while it was here. There was a lot of hate and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, it, 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 this is what happens. It is a business and so on. But you do have to respect the human uh, factor of, um, of you know, being a, a solid employee and, a, and an asset on a team. So good on Anaheim and good on uh, David Backus. Absolutely. I've, I've rooted for David Backus ever since he got here. I like the way he plays. He was the only guy you've seen that would go in front of the net and A-frame in front of the goalie and and just be a presence in there. And he was, like you said, great in the room, great leader. The guys really respected him. The coaches really appreciated his support as being another coach in the room type of player. Uh, again, it wasn't his fault. If you're going to offer five me five years, six million a year, I'm going to take it too. And it wasn't really his fault. That I don't even know if the team was competing against themselves when it came to that contract. It just seemed sort of strange at the time to get that kind of term. And it wasn't Bacchus's fault. Um, and his skills eroded fairly quickly. He had a lot of concussion issues. And that didn't help either. But I, I really, I respect Anaheim a lot. Usually that's sort of, that's not the way to go and getting sentimental with a player. But they're doing right by him. And if he can get those 50 games, that'd be great. And and I wish I wish him nothing but the best. Because I think he really contributed a lot more than people think. And like you said, he was a little bit of a whipping boy for people. But again, some of it, that wasn't his fault. And I, I think that he, um, you know, he deserves sort of going out this, this type of way. 
Totally agreed. Uh, one of my biggest regrets of us not winning in 2019, besides not winning in 2019, is I really wanted David Backus to get handed that cup from probably Chara probably would have handed it right to him. I love David Backus. I respect him. Nobody, including David Backus, could have thought, like you said, things kind of started falling apart. And it really started because of his concussion. And it just, he never could. And then when he got sick that year, he just, he had an actual ailment outside just an injury or whatever, and he just couldn't get back. So it would be nice. And Anaheim right now can kind of afford, you know, I mean, yes, they're trying to reconstruct to get better, but they can afford to let David Bagus get 50 games and they can figure out how to get him on the ice every day because they're not. So, you know, some teams really are clogged up with too many people to try and, you know, field the team. But uh, I respect Anaheim for respecting David Bacchus and what he's done over his career and to help him finish it out better than whatever just happened last year. You know what I mean? So that's that. All right, boys. How about Josh Anderson from for the Columbus Blue Jackets has been big on the trade rumors this week. I don't know. You guys can make eye contact or whatever and decide who wants to go first. Uh, but um, I don't love Josh Anderson. I think he's solid. But you guys talk about it because this one kind of befuddles me a little. Um, I am. Listen, there's, there's certain boxes that can be checked on an addition of, of his um, his size, power forward. Um, he has, he had, I know he had one year, he, he put the puck in the net a lot, but there's another side of, of his addition is uh, his injuries. And, and most recently, I believe it was a shoulder surgery. Uh, so obviously shooting is, uh, is going to be a problem. It's more or less like one of the reasons why I didn't want to ever have a chance on going after a player like Wayne Simmons who had hip surgery and continue to play because you could still play on a hip a hip surgery, a post hip surgery, but your uh, your your length of recovery is much longer. And, you know, if you're home for 6 or 7 months and pro- doing it properly, it's way better. So I kind of like think about that in the same way I do with Josh Anderson and his injury, especially when it comes to shooting. Um, like I said, I get all the big body stuff and, and how he can be effective along the boards. Um, it, I get all that. It's just sometimes I'm not sure about um, additions by let's, you know, what he did in previous seasons, but what could also happen like two or three games into the year when he's here and re-injures the shoulder again. So, I don't know. It's it's, it's a little bit risky for me. Um, if they do it, they do it. That's that's really cool. Uh, but, I mean, obviously he'll, he'll have to pass a, uh, a, a doctor's screen and so on to make sure he's completely healthy before the trade is actually valuable or viable, whatever. But um, that's, just, that's just my thought. I'm a big three-year window guy. So... Let's say the three previous years, you had, I think you had 19, 17, and 27 goals. Had one really good year. Was a plus 25 that year. Had a tremendous yeah. year. Then last year, he had one goal. I know there were injury issues. One goal, and I think it was 26 games or so. I, I just, um, I look at a guy like Jenny um, Dadnoff, and he has 28, 28, and 25. You know, so that's three years of, that's kind of who he is, in my opinion. Like, he's a mid-20s to late, tw- uh, high-20s goal scorer. Mm-hmm. Josh Anderson has, has had some ups and downs and inconsistency and hasn't really shown that. 
uh, again, he was on the right scope, but now it's a, it's, there's an unknown. He has a very friendly deal right now, but again, you want to make sure that you're not just getting size for getting size. And like Heather said, you're getting, you're giving Danton Heinen for Nick Ritchie on paper. That seems like just a size move, but then Ritchie doesn't give you that. It doesn't give you the physicality. Didn't give you, he was a passenger. He was just skating around an awful lot. Um, so it really didn't, it was almost like you just should have kept Heinen for a little bit longer. Um, so I, I don't know. It's it, Anderson. And I, and I wrote about this on blackandgoldhockey.com is that it, you just don't want to make a move to make a move. And, and the Bruins have had this history of let's go get the big physical guy. The, the league is different now. And I think they've understood that because they've changed sort of the dynamic of the team to be more speed, skill, less physicality. I think it really it sort of irritates Bruins fans because, let's face it, Bruins fans are used to let's bang guys on the boards and fight, and the league just isn't like that anymore. It's about puck possession, winning battles in the corner, and you know, you know that type of thing, instead of going out and just hitting people and and being tough and and punching people in the face. So it's it's uh, Anderson's a big boy and his showing ability again a couple of years ago but i don't know again that's another one are you going to be looking at this toward the end of next season and say boy he's really not giving you much and that was a that was a mistake so it's a again i'd rather have a guy who's been more consistent over the over some term and um and pay that type of guy and and really make an effort to get a top six guy who can really produce so I, I look at it as, is he going to give you more than Jack Stadnika in the next couple of seasons? You know, and if he does, if he really doesn't, then why, why do it? My, my only thing with him, like, yeah, he is, I mean, he's going to give you 30 points. He was injured last year, whatever. That's the freak thing. But if we're going to go out and get a right wing, we need to go out and get a second line right wing and be done with it. If it's decided Kasha, I personally think Kasha, there really wasn't enough time to really, the line looked good when it was clicking. I mean, they might not have been able to finish like anybody else on during the play and or whatever. I mean, play, return to play. Sorry. Uh, but the only thing for me that's attractive to him is because he is only 26 and he doesn't get paid a lot And a lot of teams are going to be just like Mark skeptical of what's going to happen over that shoulder surgery. You might be able to give him a little pay bump now and lock him in for three to four years. So, you know, at least you have a, you know, serviceable third, you know, well, he wouldn't be actually maybe third or fourth. I don't know. Like we keep saying we got to decide what we're doing with the kids too. What what is happening with that? But that's the only thing that makes him more attractive. But I would rather them take a make a ballsier move and go out and really solidify that second line. Or even if you want to go out, you can get someone on the cheap, but that is still like would be a top six somewhere else, but is willing to be on the third line here to have a competitive chance. You know, those medium paid guys. But that to me, that's the most attractive thing about him is. He is young enough if you gave him four years, you're not too nervous and he's not so expensive. I don't know, but you don't want to get caught with it, right? You don't want to get caught with it even at 2.5. So I don't know. Maybe I'm not even saying what I'm saying. Just kidding. <laughs> All right. I think we have enough time. Do you want to do one more topic before we take our little break? We got 15 minutes, so we could probably get yeah. two, two of them. Well, I just mean we'll see how long this talk takes. I just wanted to make sure we all know we're about the same uh, timing. Right. I do have my timer on, so I know like that I'm where I'm going or whatever. Um, but it's kind of funny. Um, 
like you talk about Josh Anderson because I feel like that's what Jake DeBrusque is like, like the inconsistency, but I still feel like DeBrusque is young enough. He might still, it just might finally, you know, just click and he'll be all right. Uh, and I'm not saying that's not true with Josh Anderson, but uh, Bjork, it was like, I'm Bjork, uh, DeBrusque, we were going to trade DeBrusque, but now they're talking. We probably aren't looking at getting rid of DeBrusque. They just haven't really come to terms. So let's talk about uh, Jake DeBrusque a little bit for a few minutes, gentlemen. The um, the, the, the thing that's intriguing me about the DeBrusque trade talks is uh, um, NHL Daily, NHL Rumors Daily, and he's been um, sneakingly good on these uh, little facts. I don't normally go to Twitter for these rumor sites, but this guy is being recognized by Spit and Chicklets and those guys and blah, 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 and he's actually being really, really good. So sneakily becoming one of my, one of my favorites. He mentioned, or the, the person mentioned um, at NHL Daily Rumor um, that the Bruins aren't antsy on moving. Jake DeBrusque, which means that they're willing to re-sign him. Um, I'm thinking bridge, thinking two or three year deal. Uh, 2.5 to 3.5 is my range. I don't think Jake has really proved that he uh, requires $6 million in salary, like many people are saying his agent's been asking. That's a little ridiculous. He's not Dougie Hamilton asking for $8 million out of an ELC. Come on, give me a break. We don't drink that here. So I kind of think that the $2.5, $3.5 million range, short, show me first, air quote, um, deal is in order. Um, and I think that the Bruins do want to work with Jake. And the, and, and the term that I'm talking about, the two or three year, is, is a, again... It'll be it'll be for him to be young enough to move again if it, things don't work out. I don't want to go longer than than three years because if, if things don't work out, you're contractually tied to him uh, and 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 the cap spaces. You know who who knows about that. So um, I I for one would not mind having Jake back. I think he's a good little player. He, uh, he can play the right, he can play the left. You know I'd rather see him on the left, obviously, but. You know, I, I, I like I, I and, and more of this is a bias because I've been following him since the WHL. And when he became a, a Bruins draft pick, that's when the ticker went really on. And and I saw what he did as a, as a young man got growing into, you know, professional hockey. So we'll see what happens. But I don't I, I'd like to see him stick around. But if he if he's an added piece and something bigger and the return is awesome. Don't 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 be given a draft pick and don't be giving him away for somebody that's coming back and not going to do anything. That doesn't work for me, Don Sweeney. Stop doing that. I'm going to slap your wrist. Um, but if you if he needs to be that piece, then it is what it is. I'm the type of person that's on the fence when it comes to the Bruins organization and what you do now on the team and what you can um, uh, bring for uh, value uh, on, on bringing something back. So I just hope they do it right if they do anything at all. I would agree. I, I think that Jake is, you know, I really believe that some people can score and some people can't. And Jake does show an ability to score goals, albeit in bunches at times. His issue is he disappears. And I don't know if that's his youth or if that's a personality thing. So you really have to determine if you're the Bruins, can we really get this guy to be more consistent in his effort 
and his confidence level. Because I think sometimes it's just a confidence thing that goes up and down with him. Because I truly don't believe he's not trying. I just think that there are times when he just gets in between or just doesn't feel like he's playing very confidently, and it affects his play. Now, you have a, a team right now that needs second-line help, and to trade a second-line player who scored you know, a fair amount of goals is a tough take. Now you have to completely rebuild your second line. So you have to take that in consideration if you let him go. I think it's going to come down to, is there a team out there who really wants him? And if it is, then he's gone. I mean, then they'll, they'll trade him to that team or that team will sign the, whatever the deal is. And then you decide whether or not you match. I think they'll probably come up with some sort of deal with that team, but it really, I'm not sure what the market really is for him because I really haven't seen much about it from other teams. I know what his agent says, and I know what Jake says, five, six, seven million dollars, which is sort of outrageous. I like your deal probably would take maybe two, two years at seven and a half, you know, that type of bridge deal. That gets him to 26 years old, gets a couple of show me years, and then he can really show the league what he's about. And at 26 years old, revisit it. I think that that, may play out in the in the end i think the bruins are going to sort of wait it out and really get a feel for what other teams want to give them and i'm not sure what that is so that's that's a big part of it if there's two or three teams out there that really want him then they'll trade him because those teams are going to be willing to spend more on him but if they don't then he may have to sort of put his tail between his legs and take his bridge year, which is great for the Bruins, and then they can really attack the rest of that second line. Listen to me, Jake DeBrusque, because I know you listen to us. <laughs> listen to Mama. I love you, and I think you'll be an excellent Bruin once you figure out, like Matt was saying, I do think you're always trying, but you just, you know, maybe it's just young and you're still working it out, and that's fine. I think that you're agent has gotten in your head and you need to realize in a flat cat situation due to the fact although you do have a lot of experience that comes with you and you are you know you're showing you can do your job mostly at times it is not worth thinking you're worth six million dollars when you're not you're worth 3.5 for three years thank you in giving up playing out the rest with David Krejci possibly you know if they don't move around the lines for your development and your career this is the perfect opportunity for you. <laughs> Stay here. Bridge deal. This would be your bridge deal. You're already getting at three, five, a $4 million pay bump almost from your entry level contract. Be reasonable, man. You have a good thing coming. You want to go because you think you're worth six, which you're not. You're not going to get more than four from anybody. I'm sorry. Love you, but you're not. So why don't you just stay here? Finish the last few years of having Krejci and Bergeron and Char and all these brilliant hockey people around you. And then worry about whether you want to get more money than that and see you later. Because it would be mutually beneficial to the team. That being said, if we can get, like, something gargantuan, I I mean, it'll be sad to see that happen. But, you know, I just think three, five for three years, that's reasonable. You'll be 26. You're still young enough. You can sign a big old contract before you're going to retire if you proved your worth. And as much as I love you, you haven't showed consistency enough to be worth $6 million. That's all I have on that one. Absolutely. All right. What? What do you want to do? You want to do one more? Yeah, we got seven minutes. Okay. You're, that's the, let's see what, um, I'm just going to skip down to one that I think will be a good seven minute topic. Okay. Sure. Is Krejci a trade candidate? 
like really a trade candidate, not people like oh, David Craig. Who cares? He's worth seven million. Like Mark said, money is money, but you also have to like, what are you getting for that seven million? Is, Do you think he's actually a candidate to, for trade? There's a possibility, but I mean, he's, he's he does have a no trade. I know it's um, uh, modified to sixteen teams now. Um, so I don't know, um, if they can move it, I mean, you have to explore those options if somebody else is interested in taking on that AAV for that, for that last year. Uh, he's probably not making 7 million in re- real cash. I think this is just an AAV number for the cap reasons. Um, so t- for me, that's really not tempting. There is a year of negotiations that can be done if the move happens like this. But I don't see another team that is going to be working under the same flat cap as uh, 31 other teams. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, 31 other teams that are going to be able to take that on and, and still be compliant. There are teams out there that want to, that, that do have cap space. I do understand that. But those are lower market teams that I'm pretty sure that David Krejci is not going to want to go to because he wants to... If not, do it in Boston. Try one more time at getting a Stanley Cup. Or if he can't do it here, do it somewhere else with a team that is on his list to go to um, that has a uh, a better consistency of, of playoff um, success. So it, it really all going to depend on what he wants to do and, and if the organization really wants to move him. I'm a huge Krejci fan. I think he does fantastic with his team. I know that so many people look at his, he's the highest paid Bruin. And he's probably not the most point productive Bruin, but he does get jobs done in certain situations. They don't call him playoff Krejci for nothing, um, even though we could have used a little bit more of him this year. But, I mean, it was just one, it, 2020 was a kick in the balls. I'm not even freaking saying anything about this year. Uh, I'm moving on. Let's, let's move on to next season. If they can move him, great. Let's get a return. If not, I'm cool with him sticking around. Well, I, I, you know what? I think you make a really valid point. What's what's David Krejci's best attribute? What can he bring to the table most? And it's his postseason acumen. Like it, it's he's so in that regard, he'd really have to go to a team that really sees themselves making a deep run and can really use a guy like David Krejci for at least for the one year. I'm not sure what you could get. I think you could get a decent amount for him because he's still a, a good player. I mean, he still he had 73 points two years ago. You know, he had, you know, he's had every time he's been in the playoffs, even this past year, he showed some signs in the postseason where he made a couple of great passes and really improved the power play once they put him on that first unit. I mean, his vision and hands are incredible. And I, I am with you. I'm a huge David Krejci fan. I think he's going to go down as one of the top 10 players ever in Bruins history and statistically and postseason and all of it put together. I mean, his, his number could go on the banners. I mean, that's, he's, he's been under the radar. Great for 14 seasons. So, and I think he can bring something to the table as far as being a, a postseason uh, veteran guy for a good team. But again, like you said, who on that list really qualifies as that type of team? And that's where it gets a little, a little sketchy. On, um, but I think the Bruins would like to move, to move him for the right deal. I really do. I think, I think they've explored it before too. I think, 
I actually said after they lost in 2013 to the Blackhawks that a savvy move would have been to trade him right then because then they would have sold really high on him and been able to turn a, turn the roster over some and, and add on. But it's worked out because they've been you know, pretty much a, a, a contender or one of the top teams in the league since then. But I think that they he's not a typical Bruin, and I think Bruins fans – don't really 100% commit to him because he's not a physical player. He's really the longest tenured player I can think of that really doesn't fit the Bruins style of a grinding type uh, physical type player. But I think he's a very good player still. Yes, I think he has a couple of good years left if he chooses to continue to play, which I think he will. And I think it really comes down to what the matchup is, like you said, trade-wise. A team that really could use him needs to be a good team. And I'm not sure how many of those are on that list. I think David Krejci is David Krejci, and there's no reason he shouldn't finish his career here. Um, his Yes, he gets paid a lot now, but like you said, if he continues his career, if he did want to do it here, you know, I, I really would think he would do that at a team-friendly kind of like, you know. Um, he is one of the top Bruins of all time, at least if you want to look at numbers and longevity and stuff. And I, I think that's where I've never heard anyone say that before. But I think you nailed it on the head is that he's not your conventional Bruin. Like I'm a kid that was born post the early seventies teens. And now the kids today, they grew up watching Luch and, you know, Chara and kind of, you know, whatever authority or whatever doing it. And, uh, he, but he really is. Statistically, he is one of the best. Just like when people like Tukarask, well, Tukarask is really actually your best goaltender probably of all time. I know stats in different eras don't line up perfectly, but, you know, uh, same thing can be said about David Krejci, just like Barrett Marchand. We've talked about him before. Like him, Bergeron, Marchand, they are, they solidified another cop or not their place in Bruins history, and they deserve it. And I know people go, oh, should Krejci be in the rack? Well, all I'm saying is you, there are four, at least four jerseys from this era that should end up there, probably depending on their, you know, I know it takes time. I'm not trying to disrespect anybody who had to wait their turn. But if you're going to look at the last 15 years of players, there are four people whose numbers should end up up there, whether they do or not. And David Krejci is without a doubt one of them. I just think that isn't the whole point we're trying to win another cup for Krejci and Bergeron and them. So it seems weird to me, unless it is for something really big that is going to boost this team for the next five years going forward, that they would do that, whether it's out of respect, because we are an organization that's very like, you're a Bruin for life, you know, look at us every week. You're like former, whatever. Like we talk about that right back as he was only here for a couple of years. He still was us. We still love him. We still want to, you know, own him. So that's how I feel about Krejci. I really, it would be interesting if that happened. It's interesting. It always comes up, but just like to Karask, I don't see anything that would really indicate that that is, of all the possibilities we've talked about thus far today, like an actual possibility to happen, like Bjork and DeBrusque, maybe Krejci, probably not, you know, but that's just that one. So I saved the one that we were supposed to do next because I feel like this one might be a little more in detailed. Okay. We'll go back to Dadanoff after the break. Okay. All right. Yeah. So why don't we take a quick break? We're going to hear from the great folks at the store next door. They're a, a, an awesome company up in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia, special people doing special things. They, they take hockey sticks and they make awesome furniture out of it. They ship international. Please go to the store nextdoor.ca. We will be right back. 
There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go out and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. And we're back after hearing that great commercial from the great folks at the store next door up in Yarmouth, Nova Scotia. Please go for all your used hockey stick furniture. These guys are unbelievable. Adirondack chairs, coffee tables, racks, pencil toothbrushes. It's it's crazy. Go to the store next door ca and uh, and help a great cause. They're awesome people. So we're back talking. The, the long list of Bruins topics that I cannot believe we, we, we as a team, all three of us put together because uh, a lot of shows are doing 20 minutes and we're still rocking here well over an hour. So where are we going, Heather? Point the way, madam. Okay, so I guess the question would be, what would it take to get uh, Evgeny Dadnov here? Uh, he's a UFA for Florida on the 9th. And he's 31. He's a right wing. He's a left shot. He eats like 17 minutes of, you know, game. So he's pretty solid. Um, I mean, yeah, he's pretty consistent. Like Matt said, I always like to see what happened the last few years. Just, you know, not just last year. People can have thing. But he plays. He's not really injury ridden or anything like that. He gives you a good. His highest point totals was like 65 and 70. But he gives you a good, you know, he's very consistent point wise. He is a little expensive that he'll probably um what's he a 4.6 at his age huh is he a 4.6 i think it was i think four was what he got last year okay so where do you go from there with a 31 year old you know what i mean but that being said he's a solid player so what do you think boys that's a big one that's going around is perhaps florida is a destination he's leaving and maybe might get here sorry <laughs> another nugget from uh nhl daily rumor uh, sneakily becoming one of my favorites um he said that the bruins are very are going to be very involved in these guys uh in dad and off what i like about this deal is his versatility on both sides of the other wing um so he could be that uh the nhl veteran that you can rely on no matter what position um and i think that you lost that in a player like um, uh, Solaric, uh, even though that he was good at the AHL, never panned out at the NHL. But I think that that was the role that they were grooming him to be was kind of that floater guy that can be uh, adjusted, um, you know, well enough that if you're having a problem within the game, you can make these moves and still get solid results. So this is like a project guy when you're thinking about all three lines. Uh, he can play anywhere and so on. Uh, to me, it's not money. It's about you know if he's making four million, it doesn't mean he can't play on the third line. So, 
Uh, his versatility is most intriguing to me, and his point production in the past two or three seasons has been another intriguing factor to me. I mean, I know he's not blowing away 80-point seasons, but he's getting 20 goals on average, so I'm all for it. If it, I mean, if the price is right... He might want to. He might want to, uh, a little bit of an increase. I'm not sure if the Bruins would want to pay that, but if he wants just a little to win now and be part of something cool, I'm for it. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued that what he could do with someone like David Krejci. Uh, he's a very. He's been. He has very good even strength numbers, which is something that the Bruins really need to attack. Is being better on the five on five. It's funny in 2011 when they won the cup, they were one of the top, if not the top five on five teams, and their power play was terrible. But now we've flip flopped, and it's more of a power play driven team, and not a lot of great five on five play. So he would add that. Um, again, the, the prices would be probably high for a high 20s goal scorer uh, in the term. And again, the market and what that would bring, and who would be in competition for his services. But I think that's the type of guy you pay. You, you get what you pay for. I think that's the type of guy more that makes more of a splash than a Josh Anderson. But again, what's the value and how much is the contract and what's the term of the contract? And do you want to go with someone with maybe less term and less money and see if you can find a diamond in the rough? Or do you want to actually spend some money and try to get you know the most value from a, a proven goal scorer? And I, I do like him as someone on that second line, or maybe even the first line, you drop Pasternak down. So, again, it's term is is a scary thing. And if you've given six, seven, eight years to a guy, you really have to be more invested in him on multiple levels and not just what he can bring on the ice. There's the off-the-ice piece, the type of character he has, there's what his motivations are. and So a lot of it goes into it. But that's the type of guy, I think, that they need to really come back to the level of, say, the Lightning. You guys are forgetting one important thing. He's Russian. We don't sign Russians. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. I do think he's the exact type of player we're looking for, though. Marksy, I saw his eyes. He's like, yes, that means Coyle doesn't have to go on the right line, on the second line on the right side, which makes him very happy. He hates Coyle on the right side. Me I too. agree. I, I prefer him in the center. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It would be interesting, but I do feel like he's maybe a little high, you know what I mean? Uh, Price wise, to what you're doing. I think there are people who can also do the same thing as him that maybe might cost us a million or two less in the end, but uh, it is intriguing to think about though. Right. And uh, also mm-hmm. I was saying on Ari's post there about Krug, that floor is actually one of the places that are rumored to maybe be getting the right. So potentially getting the right. So was mean, who knows with Sweeney, right? Like I said, maybe we'll just swap their rights and they're both UFAs on the ninth anyway. So whatever. So that's interesting. Um, mm-hmm. All right. Jack Stanika is very interesting. Obviously, I'll preface it. You know, I like Jack Stanika, but I'm not on the train of Jack Stanika definitely should definitely be in the top six of this team next year train either. Um, but uh, I guess the question is, is Stanika better than what they can acquire if we stay shop some of the talent around? Uh, can we get someone who can help us win now quicker? You know, maybe something bigger. I don't know. The, the general question was, is he better than what they could maybe go out there and get? What do you guys think? He's an interesting character. 
Matt, this is this is one of your additions to the uh, to the BNG uh, topic agenda uh, Google Sheet. So uh, why don't you lead off on this one? Sure, I think Jack. You know, I like what I saw from Jazz Stagnica, and for the simple point that in the short postseason time he had, you he was noticeable. Like, and, and I, I can't say that for everyone. Like, I can't say that for Andre Kasha and, and Nick Ritchie and some other guys, Harlan Holm. If I don't notice you on the ice and I have to ask someone as I'm watching the game, is he's is so and so in the game or still in the roster, then that's a problem. And Stadnika was very noticeable. He was around the puck. He was making simple plays that, you know, sort of make made him jump off the page a little bit there. And I thought he really contributed. It wasn't a ton of production stat wise per se, but he always sort of was there around the puck. And I think he's slight. He's, I think he's still only 170 pounds or so. So he needs to put on some NHL muscle. There's always the question of how, how much he will give in an 82-game season if they play that long. So there's a long wear and tear of a season and what he will provide on a night-to-night basis. But I think it's similar to the Bjork conversation about Chason. Is exactly what Heather said. Are you going to be better with what you acquire than a Stadnika or a Bjork? I mean, they give you more. So that's why Dadnoff certainly does. But the jury's still out on whether an Anderson or Chason really does. So you have to sort of have your finger on the pulse of what's the potential of our younger players. And Bjork and Stadnik are two guys who you really have to make decisions on. Are these guys you're going to continue to try to, to develop and, and hope that they can become really good NHL players? I think Stadnik can be. I think he's a real wild card in this. Because if you feel that he can give you top six minutes and play, I even suggested putting one on the top line and putting Pasternak down to the second line. And now I think you have some decent, you know, you have a decent, you know, top six there. Of course, there are questions, as Heather said. I mean, is he really ready for that? So that's a big question. And I think you can go in. If you really can't make any major moves, I think you can go into the season and I think you have some time to see that. You can spend a couple of months and then maybe save your money and at the deadline, go ahead and get an actual guy who can really be a top six guy and then play it from there. Maybe drop Studnika down to Coyle's line and make try to make the cup run that way. But I think it's it's a really intriguing X factor in all of this is what you think you might get from Studnika. And if it's pretty good then, you know, maybe maybe you don't really – maybe go out and get a left-shot defense and put all your eggs in that basket instead. And so it, it's really sort of uh, – it's very intriguing to me what he could bring to the table and if he's, if he's actually better than what you could get. You know what? All insightful, Matt. Very insightful right there. But what, what caught my attention, what gravitated me to that hook was the, um, the top six. And the and the mention of, of of placing placement, so I'm on the idea of Bergeron really makes players better. He's he's a he's a he's a um, a person of betterness. Let's just say it that it made absolutely no sense there, but whatever. Um, and and put here's my thing though. I'm not sure if you listened to last week's pod. I did mention that I would like to see. Krejci, just for this, just for this year, Bergeron's got term. Let's experiment here. Put Krejci on the top line. Marshan, Krejci, Stadnika. Hmm. Bottom second line, Debrusque. Um, uh, yeah, 
Bergeron. Bergeron, yeah. And then uh, on the right side, you put Pasternak. Hmm. And then you could do whatever you want in the bottom six. That's right. that's kind of my idea. Just kind of float around the secondary scoring. You might be able to get a little better five on five, but your power play one and two with those combinations, I think, would be lethal, lethal and league and league leading. But that's just me. Yeah, interesting point because I never really thought. I guess when I did the whole switching Pasternak and and Stadnika and or just bringing Pasternak down. I never really thought of the Krejci to the top lines, but that's in, that's interesting. I I, uh, I think that could, because Bergeron, although a ter- still a tremendous defensive player, two-way forward, obviously very good in the power play. I mean, he, there is some wear and tear on him, and I think that maybe Krejci, instead of trying to get this this right wing situation you know, fixed since ever since Nathan Horton doesn't, no one seems to be able to figure it out. Maybe you just give Krejci the really good, you know, the top line and, uh, and see if, see if it creates some offensive production in the five on five sense. And I think that that's a, that's an intriguing option. And I, look, I, I kind of think that Pasternak taking Pasternak off that line or putting Krejci up there, I think is a viable option. I think you at least have to explore it. So I t- sort of agree, and I and I find that interesting uh, as an option. Heather, are we crazy? Are Matt and I crazy? Are we coming in hot? <laughs> this is my thing with Stadnika, is I like him as a young player, but I have very strong feelings about giving young players too much too soon and what that can do to them developmentally. So although, and I know people, it's like, it's because you hate, no, I don't hate young players, all right? But I'm like, Claude Julian, if I see you F it up so too many times, then I am going to bury you over here until I decide. That's where I'm at with, uh, remember, Peter Solarik, I have a particular issue with him. You know what I mean? Kind Alexander Kovalchev. Yeah. I, Ryan no, Spooner. I, <laughs> yeah, Ryan Spooner. Jesus Christ. Okay, sorry. Now you threw me off. <laughs> My thing was to is, though, although I feel, I don't feel uncomfortable with him definitely being, you know, in – the 12 forwards that are on the ice. I am concerned about experience and like Matt was saying, wear and tear of a whole season. You know what I mean? When the adrenaline isn't all pumped up of like, now I'm in the NHL baby and it's the playoffs and all that. I think he's going to be a great player, but I don't know. Although we've talked about, I do agree maybe getting Pasternak and Krejci together or dropping, you know, or switching Bergeron and Krejci and mixing it up a little is one thing. I'm not sure if I, as much as I agree with Mark, I don't want Charlie Coyle on the right side. It, And I want to finally settle the riddle Scooby-Doo of why David Krejci doesn't deserve a right wing. I mean, Horton's been gone. It's been a decade, man. Like, how hard is it to get a right wing that wants to play with <laughs> David Krejci? He's an excellent center, and he's on a cup contending team. I'm just saying. Uh, that makes me nervous to put him that high up so far. Do you know what I mean? I would actually prefer to see him down a little lower, maybe him and Bjork get the chemistry going with the center in, in a little lower line where the center is a little more interchangeable than, say, your wingers on your top, you know, I mean, your top scores. Well, that's what that's what I was going to say after you were done, and I, I don't mean to interrupt, is is um, Bergeron on the second line and Coyle on the third line really creates a lot of opportunity to keep the learning flow going because a lot of the guys that are coming up from Providence – 
and some uh, some new acquisitions to the organization are going to start in some of those areas before they climb to the, the the top level, the pinnacle of the Bruins organization. So I think that that's really good as in um, you, you're going to have two centers that are great at puck, puck possession on two and three, you know, so why not filter in some, uh, some uh, lower cap assets while you're doing that and have that tutelage involved with uh, players and veterans that are going to be around for a little while. So there's another aspect that you got to think about, too, when you're trying to retool or rebuild on the fly, whatever you want to call it, air quotes everywhere, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all for changes that are going to make everything better, secondary scoring, and not just relying on that top line. Those guys, they often get burnt out. We see it on a game-to-game a -game basis, especially when they use... So often, so a little a little diversity around the uh, the the point production would be really nice. I would also point out that um, we do have Andre Kasha. We have stuck with him. He's got turn. You know what I mean? So we have him, and maybe he's not necessarily the right way. And I do think it can be argued we didn't see enough of like actually. Uh, I mean, I don't think Brett Ritchie's getting any different, but I think maybe Kasha could settle into a better role on this team. And what's the worst that happens? Say you put Bjork, Coyle, Stadnik on our third line, right? If you need to, you can always move Stadnika up as opposed to maybe put it. I mean, that's a lot of pressure to skate, you know, especially on a team where we're not good at five on five. And I don't really know how much it would. I feel like it would be almost better to spread the scoring out having the young kids down with coil and learning from them and then maybe bouncing up and down as necessary to start. Cause what's the worst that happens? You just move them up in the end. Anyways, you can always switch it later as opposed to maybe too much too soon. Just get a little more feel seeing more teams or whatever, even just having more games under your belt, because even though he was there and he did do very well, I think as a young lad on his first, you know, real stage, Still, and that's a little different, like you said, as an 82-game season, you know, and I don't know. But I don't think he should be trade bait either. Do you know what I mean? But if we can get someone who is a veteran second winger that really will play there, then I'm cool with that too. Like, you know what I mean? If we got to drop five million a year on that, I'm not upset. If finally we're going to have a second line solid right now is going to put up X amount of points and we don't have to ever talk about the right wing again on that line, at least for a while. No, I'm a huge fan of keeping Sidnika around. He's going to be that next level. Uh, and the Bruins have been known for building up the middle a lot. You know, you can see it with Krejci being in the system, Bergeron and so on. These guys are solid veterans through and through. So uh, keeping that sustainability going and, and having strong centers is just, it's just a, a key asset moving forward. Not only do you have to build out from the crease to your defense, but you also have to build out from the middle to your wing. So it, it's just a, you know, it's, it's a mind game and so on that I like the way that the Bruins are doing, especially uh, getting guys like this that, that have the potential to be strong two-way forwards and, and, and the ability to get bigger and, and more de defend yourself a little bit. I, th I think Jack Sidnika took a huge step forward in his uh, aggression uh, after taking some liberties. He was the one that really got involved instead of having a Chris Breen come in the corner and beat your ass. Uh, he was actually tossing people around when he was pissed. So there's there's a lot of things that are going on with Jack's development right now that are that just keep seep, seem to uh, be increased. So he's going to be a valued member of this organization. So I really like the I like his placement. 
All right. Well, so we're all in at least. Yet. We all like the stud. We're big fans of Captain Jack. Why is the rum gone? Well, what happens with them <laughs> remains to be seen. This is kind of an interesting one to me. I, I'm, I mean, not in a bad way, but it's kind of intriguing. The uh, I guess it's out there that the Bruins are they interested in trying to add Jake Vertanen to their um He has RFA. Vancouver has RFA rights on him, right? So I guess the question is, uh, are we trying to retain, you know, like our ad? to the repertoire trade potential trade partners Vancouver via this a- avenue. Another Matt addition. So you can have the lead, my friend. Yeah, you know, I, Jake Vertanen is, to me, is a is an interesting, you know, interesting prospect, interesting player. He had 18 goals this year and primarily played fourth-line minutes with Jay Beagle, you know, which is not exactly Wayne Gretzky. And he, and he didn't really have any power play minutes much, so it was kind of all even strength. And he's he's improved, you know. Every year he's been in the league, as far as point production, um, I think he might be a nice low cost option. Again, depending on what the trade would be, because I'm sure that Vancouver would look to trade his RFA rights. So whatever that looked like, and um, maybe you could get Vertanen and see if he could. But I don't I don't think he's a top six forward. So that's the thing. I mean, you're going to bring him in. To have him play maybe on the third line, you know, maybe you deal Kasha for him and something, or work out a trade in that regard, um, and then have him play with Charlie Coyle and maybe Anders Bjork, and put together a nice little third line there. But it's an intriguing option. I really, I really think I, I'm I'm a little apprehensive because I think the Bruins, when all is said and done may actually not make as big a splash money-wise with additions to the roster as they're leading people to believe. And I wrote about this on Black and Gold Hockey. Their history of not spending a ton of money, and it's sort of gone by the boards in the last decade. I mean, they've spent almost to the cap each year, and Jeremy Jacobs has been talked into spending more money, which is great. But in this climate of having bubble hockey and maybe another year of it. And a lot of his money comes from concessions, which he has none of since March in TD Garden. I just honestly believe in all the furlough things and all the, the way he treated the, the employees at Delaware North and all of that comes into play. I wonder if they go into another bubble situation, if he said, you know what, let's not, let's not spend the cap right now. And let's, and maybe that's why they're looking at some, some cheaper options and maybe, trying to hit on maybe more of a diamond in the rough type and Jake Fred Tannen, obviously he fits that mold. So I'm, I'm a little concerned that that might be the Avenue, at least until the season gets going. And then if they can get fans in the stands and all that, and it comes, starts to come somewhat back to normal, then maybe they save the money for the deadline, but I'm concerned that it would, that they may keep the payroll down some, and this would fall in line with that. Interesting. It is very interesting. Yeah, Jake. The one thing that's uh, got me on Jake is he's 24 years old, so he's an RFA with arbitration rights. So that that could play a big role in in, in retaining him uh, for further uh, work in the Bruins organization if that's an avenue they want to uh, go. But he does, you know, he does bring that 
that offensive skill and nastiness to a to a fourth line, third line player at this point, possibly with um with with higher um trust and so on. So I mean it's not a it's not a bad idea. Those arbitration rights though, ooh, that's kind of scary for me. Um but and the reason why arbitration rights are scary is because the arbiter normally in trends they normally go for the player uh, than the organization. So um, that's always something you got to think about. Um, you know, just another avenue when you're looking at CapFriendly or Puckpedia.com. Heather, your thoughts on Vitanen and, and possibly uh, an avenue? I don't know. It's kind of a weird one for me because I agree with if we are trying to spend lower than the, you know, we've all been saying we have X amount to sign these players, but really maybe in the front office, they are saying, not really. We have this much that we're going to spend. It's an interesting option because he is young on the younger end. I mean, he's done all right so far, what you've seen of him again, not like your knockout superstar, but you're right. He's got, you know, a little bit of grind on him, but he's also, you know, in that high offensive kind of, you know, as his generation is. He's pretty cheap, which is good. And, uh, but it just seems weird to me because we just talked about Stadnika and all these other players that we already have that are also right wings and things like that. And even if you, and I do like versatility. So like, you know, moving players around and uh, Mark always said, you should be able to do your job no matter where they put you, you know, but at the same time, some players really do play better where they're at. Like for no reason whatsoever, when Jake DeBrusque, who hasn't played right wing in three years was suddenly the right wing on the third line, like what? He hasn't even played this side, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. So it's weird to me that we already have some players that you pay $130 million that we have in our system and we have their arbitration rights, you know what I mean, or whatever, where their rights are already at least in our system and we know what we might have to deal with as opposed to taking on a, uh, rights that we did not necessarily, you know, negotiate in the first place, you know, in the first contract. Uh, so it's it's interesting to me. I mean, Vancouver definitely looks like a team where they've got some young kids on there that are looking like they're going to be future stars. You know, obviously he's not the biggest name, but I guess if they had to go that route to keep it low, but I mean, I'd much rather pay that money to somebody else. You if, know, if anybody on Vancouver that I would really like, and I wish we had the cap spaces is revisiting the Tyler Toffoli situation, another versatile forward and so on. I'm a big Toffoli Foley guy, you know, so anyway, he goes back to Manchester, Manch Vegas, baby. Tifo. But anyway, um, Brendan Dillon, see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, all right, boys, I guess the last question before we do ask BNGs is who are the untradeables? I'm going to ask you who are your personal untradeables, not who the team might not trade, but who do you think as we Mark and I have discussed, and I'm sure Matt, you've discussed this in your own self or maybe with friends, what is, the between blowing up the team or not doing anything at all, right? You got to do something, but you don't want to blow a team up that's already pretty well constructed and functioning on a basic level. So who for you are your untradeables on this team that absolutely can't be in this discussion of what we're going to do during the next six weeks? Well, uh, perfection lines, number one, you know, Marcin Pasternak and Bergeron, Bergeron be just because of the longevity and, and he should retire a Bruin, in my opinion. So that would be three. And the other is Charlie McAvoy. And then I'd probably have a 1B where it's Coyle and, uh, and Brandon Carlo. And other than that, but I'm not even saying that 
there wouldn't be a deal to be had for either one of those guys. But I, I think my absolute untradeables at this point are just, you know, the top three players really in Bergeron, uh, Pasternak and Marchian, and then adding Charlie Coyle to that mix. So those are my four. And that's, uh, I, I would not trade any of those guys right now. I'd even have Stadnik out there because, the, the, you know, if the right deal would come, you know, I, I mean, to get a proven guy, then I would never say never to a, to a lot of those younger players either. I'd really have to be knocked over because I really like Brandon Carlo and I, th- I like what he brings to the table. In fact, I think the Bruins need a second Brandon Carlo, to be honest. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade him. And I heard him sort of dangled or there were rumors that maybe he's out there as a name or someone inquired. And Pluto, that makes me a little Pluto nervous. wrote an article about it. Yeah. I, that makes me a little nervous. I don't, I don't, uh, because I, I just think that you need even more of him. I mean, I think, I think he brings a, he's a big boy with physicality and skating ability. You need another right shot guy like that. Um, you know, someone who can be, you know, big and physical and, and that type of thing. So, um, but I think Bergeron, Marsham, Pasternak, and McAvoy are untouchable in, in my opinion. And for me, touching on what you just talked about with, uh, with Carlo, um, a lot of the, those rumors for Carlo are like when you, when you talk about Patrick Laine from the Winnipeg Jets, uh, right. pow- a powerful right winger, he's a, he's a sniper. He's the type of player that this Bruins team could really, really need on that uh, five-on-five um, issue. But the thing is, is if you trade somebody like him or for him, um, uh, Winnipeg's notorious for not having a lot of defense especially last season, losing Myers, losing Bufflin, losing um, uh, Taruba. Jeez, I mean, th- th- their, their defense got fleeced either by trades uh, or injuries or uh, insubordination. I don't care what you want to call it, but they're going to want to uh, upscale their defense. So any, any, anything with um, Winnipeg moving forward, if there's any trade talks at all, whether it be Lion A or Blake Wheeler or whatever, is all going to center around your best young defenseman right now, and they're not getting rid of McAvoy. McAvoy is like no. the potential next Ray Bork that's going to be here forever. But right. they're going to want somebody like Carlo to come back, a big shutdown guy, to uh, to shore up their back end. And I'm not sure if I'm going to be interested in even giving that up for somebody that... Sure. that Lion A makes a lot of money. But he also seems like a very individual player. Like, it's all about me right. kind of player, you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't right. think that's a gel in the, in, the, in the Bruins locker room. So any deal that's involved with him, I think Carlo goes the other way, and I'm not for it. I'm not for Brandon Carlo going anywhere because, as I said a million times, and as you know, I'm a defense expert. McAvoy <laughs> <laughs> and Carlo are your new top like, I mean, they're not going to play together, but they are your new spine of your defense going forward. And yeah. as I have yeah. expressed in the past, and you can add Matt Grizzly to that, that should be the plan. I cannot believe that there has not been a whatever, any kind of like, I don't know. It just This organization drives me nuts. They're so tight-lipped. Say something, man. We're all dying here. Now all I have to hear is Patrick Liney all week about people. Oh, my God, Carlo Falani, which... I want to. Th- I mean, I like Patrick Line, perfectly good player. I think he gets overpaid for what he does, but I, he also has been on the Minnesota Wild, which I mean, Minnesota Wild. Sorry, the Jets in their team that's either really good or just really bad, and they go back and forth over the last five years of which team that is. So I, I forgot to say my untradeables. 
I'm sorry. I kind of went off on a tangent there. Oh, I got confused. Go ahead. Marshand, Bergeron, Pasenak, McAvoy. Oh, God. That's my four. I'm going to kick myself because I'm going to think about another one. So, All right, go ahead. All right, well, you can add it if you think about it now. I mean, I think uh, the aforementioned people are pretty much Carlo. it. Um, like I said, Carlo. Oh, Carlo. Yeah, that's what we're all agreeing on, right? Brandon Carlo is not allowed to, I mean, especially not for Patrick Line. I'm just saying, if Carlo's leaving, it's not going to be for this. That's just me. Um, I mean, I think you pretty much said all that. I do still hold, I think, you know, you can add Krejci in there too because I do think the whole plan is to try and win more and more cup with these people. So, I again, I don't think you can see... Not because necessarily he's untradeable. And again, it's a business. Everybody's on the trading block. Do you know what I mean? If a, if a team would give me a lot of what I need for even Charlie McAvoy, I would cry about it because you know how I feel about the BU boys. I love them and want to keep them forever and ever. But if it would make this team better and help us with the cap for the next five years, you've got to entertain every option that goes down. But I absolutely refuse to let Brandon Carlo go. And I mean, I... I don't want to see Brad Marchand go, but I mean, Jesus, again, I mean, I don't know what you would trade up from for there, but you know, I mean, just whatever the obvious guys, you can't give up the only people that put points on the board. I'm just saying that, you know, <laughs> but then after that, probably Grizzlick and Carlo, but that's only cause I'm a weirdo. And I like, I'm more defensive minded than offensive minded. That's that. Sorry, Mark. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you're right. We kind of got off on the thing and I thought, <laughs> no, it's fine. No worries. All right. That's fine. You want to do some uh, Ask BNGs? Let's get them all blasted out. All right. So uh, you win some, you lose some. Halifax at Halifax. Hugh says, is it time to shuffle the lines to solve the second line issue? We sort of talked about this, but he suggests 13-37-74 in 63-46-88. We've kind of already discussed this. You could also throw stud in there somewhere. Uh, thank you for the question, Hugh. And do you guys have anything else? We kind of just were talking about this a little bit. Anything else to add on to your thoughts on that? For me, I agree. I agree that with one year of Krejci and um, a couple of years of Marshan and Pasternak remaining and Coyle and so on, I think that maybe shuffle it around and see if, what works. Uh, look for the future, not only the, the uh, task at hand, but... Um, yeah, look for chemistry in other areas. I mean, don't don't be don't be you know afraid to to change to change it up, Bruce. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are saying, Jesus, just mid game, you're not you're flat. It's not happening. Uh, change it up. So uh, have the confidence and and see if you can spark anything elsewhere. I agree. I mean, I I, I think that. Um... You know, I'd rather see them get a big left shot defenseman to pair with McAvoy. I, I that that's to me their biggest need, as far as investing money into. I mean, that's that's because I think you can, you have something instead. Nika, maybe you know, you can shuffle the lines like you said. Maybe bring Krejci up. You know, maybe do some things where you can get by for a couple of months, see how it looks. But I think McAvoy needs a pairing other than Zdeno Chara where, you know, they dump the puck in and McAvoy has to go get it because Chara can't go back to get it. And I think that's held McAvoy back. And I love Chara. I think it's no knock on him. But I think that that's a big, 
that's a you know that's a big need is left left shot D for me. You know, a big twenty five minute a guy to play with McAvoy and get your that's your top pair. That's that's what you're riding with right there. So I I'd, I'd much rather do that with any type of big money. And then you know if you can if you can add a guy for the second line to, to decide what you're doing with DeBrusque. But I think a line shuffle. I'm I'm sort of with it. I I'm sort of uh, I'd like to see it and see what it looks like. All right. Uh, I have one addition because you talked about McAvoy and so on. Okay. So, and Heather, you can, you can double up on this if you want, okay? But this is from Stephen McReynolds, and he emailed, he emailed this, and I meant to get it last week, but I totally forgot, but I want to recognize him now because he's talking about McAvoy. But he's, am I the only one frustrated that hard-rushing McAvoy is often... A single return pass from tons of scoring chances. He knifes through the defenses, dishes to an open teammate, and never, I mean never, gets a pass back when he could absolutely blow up the defense in front of the goal. Isn't that just a simple give and go? He's a Tory Krug turned battering ram. No other NHL defenseman does that. It's such a waste. We need more goals, damn it. I swear, McAvoy can get 20. Best regards, Steve. And he uh, produced a very cool picture. I, I hope that's him and his wife. His wife actually looks like the mother of um, Ben Stiller, which is kind of cool. But anyway, um, thank you very much, I Steve, for the question and email sub- uh, submission. Sorry to get to you so late, but it's a valid question. What do you got to say, Matt? I can see it on Please, your face. Steve, I'm, I'm 100% on, on with that. I, I, I saw the same thing. When he rushes the puck, he steams the game line. There was that goal in the Stanley Cup finals against the Blues where he just came through the line, Blues for everybody, and shot and scored. Like, he can do that. I think he's been held back again by what shower, you know, behind him and feeling like maybe he can't do that. And maybe some of his age and experience not knowing when to do it. But he is a terrific rusher of the puck not just average he is very good and he can provide much more offense and i am a hundred percent in agreement with you steve that is a terrific point and i i i've said it for the last half season that whenever he does it it just sort of you look at it and say wow he should do that more often and he absolutely can bring that he can be a 15 goal a game 15 goal a season defenseman he can be and I'm and I'm really interested to see what he can bring on the power play because I think that he can really provide that on the power play, gain the line, and be able to set it up, make a play. And I'm in total agreement. I just think that there's so much more he can offer there. And he is a battering ram. He's a stocky kid. He's he's like two ten. He's you know he's he's a he's a rugged kid. And I and I'm totally in agreement. I think he can really rush the puck and gain the line and make some plays offensively. I'm a big, I've always been a big advocate of just put McElvoy with Krug on the first unit power play. I argue that every time they talk about Tory Krug being too small. Yeah, you're right, he's small, but you know what he needs is he needs a big guy more like McElvoy. That being said, I do wish Charlie sometimes, even if he's not getting a pass back, I do think he could still improve on, like, you are a big guy. You remember how Char sometimes would just crash the net and just, like, use your hard shot, you know, that... 
Uh, and we've talked, you know, Mark and I have definitely talked about it. I'm sure, Matt, you've thought about it. Like, sometimes you just wish he'd just let off the first shot because the rebound is where you score. we score the most goals and most people do, you know? And uh, that all But absolutely, he could be a 20-goal scorer. There's no reason that he's not a future Norris winner. Um, I don't – I mean, some of that yes is probably being with Chara instead of, like, a Grizzly or a crew, you know, kind of thing. But – um I mean, yeah, I'm all for letting Charlie McAvoy loose. I'm all for him taking – he needs to take over. If he is going to honestly be our next Sedano Chara, Ray Bork, whoever, fill in the greats of the defensive – you know, every generation has a great defenseman that's back there that kind of stands for that era. They need to let him loose a little bit. But he also has to take on that responsibility so we can see what he will do with more – responsibility too it's great that he he plays solid half hour for you every night you know and takes up those minutes and stuff but um yeah unleash him because he is going to be a beast and he is going to score a lot of points and probably a lot of goals not i mean defensemen oftentimes can score a lot of points but you don't score a lot of goals and he definitely is someone who has the potential and the hands to score a lot of goals uh, and that, if you give him the responsibility, he will grow into that role better. Do you know what I mean? You could see it when they put him on the power play with Krug. And I would, now I think that should be Grizzly and McAvoy. I think there should always be defensemen on the power play, but that's just me. But yeah, I don't know. McAvoy, I agree. Like he's, let him go. Just let him go and see what he can do. He's a stud and uh, he's ready, I think. And we won't know unless we let him. All right. We got another B&G. Uh, yes, we do. Uh, dump and change at N underscore change. Hello, boys. What is one player, free agent or trade, you would like to see happen for the Bruins? Ooh, I want to... Um, I don't know. The Dadunov freaking one, it, it, it intrigues me just because of his versatility. And uh, I think he had 25, 27 goals last year, so... Maybe in a different system, he can uh, increase his skill set. Um, it's I don't know if it's going to happen or not. Salary cap's going to going to play a huge role in any decision that's going on. So, but it, that that's one that I would like to to do uh, trade wise. That was my UFA signing trade wise. Um, I don't know. I mean, I I would love to see if if anything could be explored for a type of player like Lion A. I know I know I'm going back on what I said previously about it's not a great idea, but I just really want to get better five on five. I want to get you know two lethal power play specialists, uh, whether they be on the same line or or separate lines. But it, it's it's just something to think about, you know. When you're trying to address more scoring, point production, uh, especially um, in the other three, four lines. I mean, sorry, three lines of the uh, of the Boston Bruins team. So that's just me, my thought. I I, I agree with the free agent. My free agent wish list would would include Dadnoff, and my trade would be I I'm sort of I would like to see maybe that if you can't sign DeBrusque, then maybe you revisit the Noah Hannafin situation because I think a young left shot D, um, he has some size. I think he has more ability than he's shown. Um, maybe you maybe you explore. I, I would I would sort of be interested to see what Hannafin would do here with McAvoy. Um, so that would be sort of my two uh, that I that I'd look for. I don't know. This is so hard because. 
I really think defense is where we really need it. If we have better defense, it will help with our five on five scoring, you know, that just makes sense. Um, so I guess on one hand in a dream world, if we could get, uh, Petrangelo or someone of his ilk, you know, solid, proven, bigger dude, but also, you know, making up for the loss of Krug on the offensive side of it. I would love to explore that if he won't ask for more, you know, if he'll take eight, great. Like if we, especially if we can move some money around, that would probably be ideal for a UFA or, or like a, a Brandon Dillon, uh, Brendan Dillon, like we talked about, you know, he's cheaper and kind of still fits that mold. Not going to probably give you as much on the like leadership and stuff that uh, Alex will, but that it's so hard for, I don't know. I guess maybe I'd like to sign like Kyle Palmieri if I could cheaply, as cheaply as possible. Well, he's I got just one really, more year. He's got one more year right. to be a trade thing. But I get, I know that's what I mean though, but that goes to like, we had talked about that at the deadline anyways, like should we should maybe, I, I just think he's a, he would be a good player to kind of, uh, his style would fit well, I think in Cassidy's system and it wouldn't take so much transition time for him to kind of get on board. Um, yeah, I don't know. Something to think about, but I definitely think defense is more of an issue than offense. I think we have enough if you shuffle the lines and you do whatever. And even if you can just get maybe that, you know, like, I know you weren't thrilled when we got Charlie Coyle. You didn't know him well. And now that you know him, like a Charlie, another Charlie Coyle, like you said, versatility, you, you yeah. get more than what you're paying for kind of thing. Uh, that's just on that one. All right. Uh, Maria from Watertown. Hello, Maria. Oh, sorry. At Maria of H2O Town says no deals for Krug, Chara, Grizzlick, or I put Chara twice or something. Uh, do, what do you think is holding up Bruins management from, they're not signing anybody. We now know they're not signing Krug. We've all kind of come to terms and we now know his rights are probably being traded tomorrow morning. Per our um, Yeah. What do I, you think, guys? What's I, holding up anybody getting signed? I would say the biggest benefactor of this whole stall right now is is the salary cap and how it's going to, not only for next season, but the two seasons after that. Um, I know that there's solid numbers. You're going to have 15, 16 million uh, in 2021. You're going to have 44 million in available space in 21, 22. But with a flat cap, you never know where you're going when uh I, I I don't know. It's just gonna that's gonna be the toughest part of of anything moving forward for me. Um yeah, I agree. I think I think bridge deals are probably what Sweeney Sweeney loves that loves getting less market value than uh than he needs to pay for and he loves the bridge deal. Did it with Carlo and McAvoy. I think he does it with Grizzlick. I think he wants to do it with Debrusque, so is RFAs, maybe even Coolman who's an RFA. I think he may do try to do that. I think he's just waiting that out a little bit. I haven't really heard much on Grizzly either. So that's sort of interesting. There's also the bubble situation and the lack of revenue and flat cap, like you said, uh, Krug is more than likely gone. So I think that that, that speaks to what, what's happening with him and Chow. I think they're probably just waiting to see what's available for money and who they can get and, and no, and no rush to, they're so, sort of in their back pocket. So I think everybody has their own sort of situation going on. But I think largely it's because I think they want to, you know, keep the term and contracts down some for this year and, and try to bridge the those some of those guys. Hey, uh, real quick, did you guys see how much the, the bubble is, like, costing? Yeah. 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 
they money the NHL doesn't have. No, they can't. I mean, I was thinking we were talking about this a couple weeks ago, Heather, with the whole like potential for bubble area system. If they're paying that much per bubble, holy crap! If they do four, that could cripple the league. It could. I mean, it was at seventy to ninety million or something like. Yeah, that. yeah, it was crazy. It's, that's too much. I mean, that's I, and I don't know if that includes. I don't know if that includes loss of revenue from it. I don't know, but it's it seems like a really high number, um, not as high as the NBA, which is double that, I think. But but you're right; they don't they don't have that type of revenue. It could really cripple the league. It could really, it could really force some some franchises into a really difficult situation. I mean, Pittsburgh. We've been waiting for Pittsburgh to fold for years. Like that, that could happen. Uh, there's teams like Florida and Carolina and the non-traditional areas that could really suffer. I mean, they, those, those, there's no real tradition of hockey there. So if they miss, if they lose it, they're not going to miss it. So they, there's some franchises that could be real, some real danger here. So uh, the bubble, I think they're waiting. I think that's why they're waiting to, to maybe January to start the year to try to get some indication that they can get some fans in the stands and not have to do that because I don't think it's ideal for them. I honestly think the bubble, I don't think it's feasible to do the four bubbles, not even just cost wise, just it probably will be empty arenas. You travel just your division or whatever. You know what I mean? Maybe the teams that are kind of close together that are on the border, obviously like Boston playing the Rangers, you know, it's the same distance, you know what I mean? Whatever kind of thing. Uh, but, um, I am very surprised there hasn't been any word on anybody. That's what bothers me. And I get the cap and stuff, but that seems like all the more reason why, like, I can't imagine that Matt Grizzlick is asking for an obscene amount of money, especially when he has, there's been articles out, you see, you know, in interviews about how he's ready to kind of maybe take on more responsibility if Krug's not here and how much he's learned, you know what I mean? And so I am surprised at least we haven't heard a signing for Grizzlick because, I mean, let's face it, Someone got signed on the bench during the playoffs. I'm just saying, like, it, it does seem weird. Nobody, there's no indication whatsoever, you know? So um, that's just to me. But it, I think they just don't know what they want to do, like, honest to God. And I, and I said this the other week. I don't think that Sweeney and I don't think that Neely are on the same page. And that's making it hard to make some of these decisions. And... Agreed. On one hand, you have to trust Don Sweeney because the whole plan for the last five years has revolved around his plan. So you got to kind of let it finish out. You know what I mean? But I think that Neely also has the pressure of, oh, God, our jobs might be on the line. You know what I mean? If we don't really, really do something. And I think that's partly it, too. They're just not on the same page. So how can you make the big decisions? Are we going to kind of settle with what we have and go out really get maybe pay a lot for a defenseman or whatever and not a lot else of movement or that's what I think is holding it up, Miss Maria. But thank you for your question. And also, though, it'll be interesting. Whatever. There's still, what, 12 days till free agency to see. Because it's weird. Remember with McAvoy and Carlo, it was like they were RFAs. It really hurt them with training camp. And I think that this time you might want to, if you're going to keep DeBrusque and you're going to keep Grizzly. Now, we know DeBrusque is probably asking for too much. That's what's taking along with him, right? But you don't want to kind of go through that same thing where say training camps open in December for January, you don't want to create a situation. You still don't have your RFA signed like before where up into that last minute and they kind of miss all of that, you know? 
So that's telling too. It'll be interesting what happens when we talk about next week, when we talk, what has happened this week coming up? Cause something's going to start happening. Right. I mean, we're not literally going to sit here till October 9th. Right. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Uh, and we had one more Daniel Flynn at punk rocker. Flynn says, which Bruin would you give up in the expansion draft? If available, John Moore, if he gets his 40 games, that's for me. I'm with you. John Moore, hundred percent. If he's available, if not, then, um, I think it, you have to see, I guess, who, who would be out there, but you know, they can take Kasher if they like, they can, they could take, uh, you know, a few guys really. I, I just don't want to lose Grizzlick. That's a guy I don't, I don't want to lose. And he may be, if you bring in another defenseman, who's a, who's a top pair defenseman, he could be the guy who's sort of out there because you, you will have to make a decision. It'll be seven forwards, three defensemen, one goalie. So if you have another guy to play with McAvoy, you have those two and Carlo, and then there's Grizzlick. Uh, so I'm I'm a little concerned about losing Grizzlick. Okay, so um, this kind of circles back to one that I hadn't. Uh, one last topic after this is I cannot have Matt Grizzlick be my new Colin Miller. I can't. Right. I cannot have that happen. I got my name the Kraken that I wanted. I was like, yes, Seattle. It really sucks to be Seattle because they're starting off the ground with not being able to potentially put their people in this. You know, they're selling all these tickets. And God love the Seattle Kraken fans because they seem all in. Mm -hmm. I don't like Vegas, but I respect their fans and like how crazy the city went for the whole Mm -hmm. situation. Um, Can we talk about, boys, because that was the last. I can't have it be Grizzly. That's who I won't give up. And I will give up anybody pretty much I think if we could dump John Moore but I don't I don't know like if Trent Frederick's still around I, I can't <laughs> with him I can't it's just the I'm sorry like I get he's tougher and like that's everyone gets crazy with the size but guy you're, you're the new Peter Solaric on my chopping block I need you out of my face so we can keep who we're keeping and be gone um, but that being said I would like to bring up before we uh, start wrapping up uh, in this week in Bruins history what is it going to take for Bruins fans to let Kevin Miller go? Kevin Miller, who basically was Adam McQuaid, just whatever. That's fine. I respect Adam. Uh, I respect Kevin Miller, who I call Adam Miller because he reminds me of Adam <laughs> McQuaid. I do not love him. I, I just said I wanted to keep calling Miller. So what do you think, guys? Do you want to spend 2.5 on Kevin Miller, who hasn't even been on the ice? And two, what, what is it going to take for every other Bruins fan to say, I love you, just like I have to do a Tory Krug. I love you. Thank you for your service. But we can't. You're clogging up the system in the, the, the decision making. Is this really holding it up? They're trying to sign Kevin Miller? I don't know. No, I, ho- I hope not. Uh, his cap space is needed elsewhere. That's all I'm going to say on, on this topic because um, we're kind of getting up against it. Yep, yeah, it's, it's just not, it's not going it, to, it, it's just, you can't, it, it's not worth it because of his injury history. I mean, you'll sign him and then 10 days, 10 games later, he'll be shelved again and you'll be stuck. So I, I just, you have enough young guys to play, you know, to give you as much as Kevin Miller would. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that I think is pretty much it. We just had a couple of things, like a couple of the boys were named to the all-star team, right? To, although Tuka shouldn't be there. <laughs> Tuka's a horrible player. He just 
characters, you know, whatever. So uh, a couple of the boys were on there. There's been this awesome four-part series on Zidane O'Chara made for this. If you haven't seen it, please try and go and start watching it. I have not got to watch all of the second episode. Where can we find it, Heather? Because I can't can't find it anywhere. Um, I found it when I was at work watching it. So, But if you have NBC Sports or if you have Comcast or something, I would think if you looked on On Demand, it should be on there because it is like a mini-series documentary done by NBC Sports, it appears. So... Um, I'm not quite sure, but um, if you have NBC Sports, so look for it in your feed for like reruns, but it might mm. even be on demand on a box. I happen to just, I like, I look at the schedule and make sure that I can be in to watch what's happening. I'm bad. Okay. I love that. My boss was a hockey player. He loves hockey too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one last thing I just had, I want to say Boston Pride girls have two banners up in Logan Airport. I'm so happy and it makes my heart very, very happy to see that there. So. That's my last thing. Do you guys have anything else besides uh, follow everybody and whatnot to go? I have a This Week in Bruins History. Uh, September 26th, 1995. The last game at the original Boston Garden, which was an exhibition game against the Montreal Canadiens. The two teams went into the Garden playing each other, and the final game was against each other. Uh, Memorable moment. I remember it. Many... Uh, fans that are probably listening to this and uh, too young probably don't, but uh, seeing Norman Levier skate around the ice assisted by uh, Bobby Orr and Ray Bork was something special to see. And a lot of the old Bruins throughout history being there with the jerseys on, either walking the, the red carpet or or actually donning the skates for the last time was a, was a special moment in my life. Um, I was a frequent flyer. To the Boston Garden, the original Heather. We went so many times for Bruins games back in the day, after high school. Um, so uh, thoughts on the Boston Garden, real real quick, Matt and and Heather. We'll uh, move on from there. Yeah, I, I, I miss the garden. I miss I miss uh, being on top of the ice. I miss the noise level there. I miss the passionate fans. I miss. Uh, the Bruins fans chanting Rua in against in playoff games against Montreal. I miss my feet sticking to the floor, sitting behind a pole. I miss all of it. It was uh it was such a great place to be. And my 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 best moment there was when I was at the game when Cam Neely scored his fiftieth goal in forty four games, whatever it was, nice. against the Capitals hat trick goal. Uh, and the place was just so loud and it was such an unbelievable atmosphere. It was such a dump, but it was our dump. And it was a, and it was such a great place with a lot of great memories, like you said. And, uh, I do miss it. I, I, I think that it was a really cool place to watch hockey and I miss the gallery guards. I miss the whole thing. Yeah, just, I can still smell the garden. And mm-hmm. you know what I don't miss, though, is the ramps. Like, the ramps, 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 right. ramps, 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 forever to like go. But, yeah, yeah, no, that place, my last game at the garden actually was when Mark made sure that I got to go see Marty Brodeur his rookie year to make sure I got a game. And that was my last, that was the season before. Obviously, they just, it was right at the start of the last season but it was hard i think seeing the garden it's like we watched it was like cool this is gonna be cool we really want a modern rink but like you said it's it is a dump but it's our dump and you're like this and you're like Mm. there and you're gonna end up with beer on you and you can i can still remember i mean i you guys are right you know you grow people still could chain smoke butts right next to you i was like five at wrestling smoking the weed smoking the weed (laughs) yeah just like (laughs) cigars or a thing and uh just i don't know many concerts and 
I mean, even as kids, right, you go and see Disney on ice. Just I, I think that, well, you know, many generations of Bostonian, Metro Boston kids, you know, New England kids did a lot there. And it was hard to see it go. But God, the garden was so much the it, new garden. It was well, it was so torturous to drive by the garden on 93 that summer <laughs> and see the the um, the the excavator claw tearing mm -hmm. it apart every day there to work and back from work it was not it was not pleasant at all no. but anyway this uh episode 196 has come to a close and listen i i thoroughly had a blast um with this one and this just it, it creates more excitement for me to say this um uh and i'm speaking for heather obviously i know she's probably going to say something afterwards because i know she loves to talk but matt I'm looking forward to the future of Black and Gold Hockey Podcast as a trio. We are not a double anymore. We are a trio. We added a very knowledgeable hockey guy into the mix, and I'm I'm looking forward to the future working with you, Heather, and and the rest of all the team at BNG. So, uh, this is my welcome as as founder and CEO to to say um, thank you very much for reaching out. You're the top of the top of the list, my friend. So hopefully you fill those shoes very well. And uh, we're so pumped to have you. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity. I had a blast today. And I love talking Bruins hockey. I love being a part of it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to many, many episodes to come. And uh, really enjoyed working with you and Heather. It's, uh, it's going to be a really great situation for everybody. And think so too. I'm mostly happy that um, I mean I love Mark, but we're always just talking at each other. It it really truly is. It's hard to do two hours with two people, and especially when sure. weeks have things. So it's always good to have an extra point of view to kind of bounce off. And I like how you know. I mean, obviously this is our first time hanging out. I think things are gonna go good because you seem to like, like me and Mark. Things like oh, good, you said that. That reminds me. I want to you know talk, right. and I think it's right. gonna be a good chemistry. I had a lot of fun. I'm glad that you're on and. Uh, Awesome. Next week, officially a trio, no longer a duo, but that's all right. Can't have a party with just two people. That's I mean, right. We've done there. We'd like at least another person. Absolutely <laughs> looking forward to Matt coming in as the lead, new lead host. He's gonna set the tone for the show, and we're we're just gonna have a we're gonna have a real good time, and we're moving forward. We we've listened to the reviews, and we're acting on it. So, and I think this is a real positive way to to move forward as a group and as a, a sports media company at Black and Gold Productions, LLC. So with that being said, I just want to really thank everybody for the continued support. Um, please rate and review. Uh, please uh, donate to the program. We, we, we ask that you um, financially support us on Patreon. Uh, please go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Donate $1 per episode. That money not only helps us of, with our out-of-pocket costs to run these, these programs and the websites and everything, but it also goes back into buying more stuff for the giveaways. We have Bruins signed pucks. We have Bruins shirts from Fanatics. We have B&G gear. We have stuff from the store next door that we bought. We have a ton of items that we're going to start giving away weekly once we get a little closer to when we actually know when the uh, 2021 regular season is going to happen in the NHL. So get on board today. It's just a dollar per episode. We're probably going to do a max of probably four or five, who knows, but $5 an episode, not bad, a month, not bad. So, and that just comes back to you. 
because now you're eligible for a weekly giveaway at no extra charge. So please continue to support us uh, by sharing, retweeting, and doing all those awesome things. Uh, listening is, is a huge thing. We, we value our listeners every week. We love you guys. And we hope that you guys understand that we needed to make a change for the better and we're listening to you guys. So this is it's all about you and we want to get better. And I think that the addition today and moving forward with Matt is just going to make a, a very uh, unique but dynamic uh, uh, staple into the Bruins pro, uh, podcasting. So with that being said, my name is Mark Allred. Her name is Heather Ingerson, even though she's my sister and a pain in the ass. And he is the new lead head host, Matt Barry. I'm Mark Allred. Take care. Peace out. Be safe. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to and supporting the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.